Uh, sorry I wasn't here last week. I was in Tiao now at my nephew's wedding, and that uh, was interesting. And uh, But I'm so glad to be back with my CFC family, and uh, so good to be here. I want to talk to you this morning about, can we just take a little bit out of control, the mic, thank you. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about, well not a little bit about, a whole lot about trust God. Trust God. Let me read you a scripture. Psalm 18 verse 2 says this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? How many people here know him as your rock, your fortress, and your deliverer? Come on. You don't be quiet on me this morning, okay? I know that I wasn't here last Sunday, but it doesn't mean you can be quiet this Sunday. I believe that the house of God should be the place where we shout the loudest. Yeah, come on. And uh, it's a great place to be. So here's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. We just stop there. That's a great sentence in, st- in itself. And then he goes on and says, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. I love that statement more than the first statement because it's my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Trust is a really interesting thing because I think trust is one of the hardest things to have in life. I think trust is one of those things that takes years to build and only seconds to destroy. Can anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you can be trusting your kid like crazy and they've been doing great for the last five years driving your car and then that trust is destroyed in a moment of seconds of stupidity as they try to do a burnout to show off their friends and smash into a parked car, and all of a sudden, the next time they want to borrow your car, the trust isn't there again. You, you know what I'm talking about? Trust is hard to build, but very easy to lose. It dissipates really, really quickly, but trust really means this. It means, when it comes to trusting God, it really means this. It means, I'm letting go of control. You know that evil word? Control, and I'm trusting God with my life. In other words, I'm hopping out of the driver's seat of my life into the passenger's seat, and I'm going to let Jesus drive. How many people know that we have moments in our lives where that feels really easy and we actually enjoy it until we start getting into the windy bits of life? And then it's like, you know what? I think it's time we pulled over, got a coffee, and I think you just need a break, and I'll drive. From here, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yet the thing is, is that he says, he says, my God, my strength. In other words, my strength is actually purely solely in nothing else but him. And because my strength is in nothing but him, then therefore I trust him in everything on all times and all occasions. But I think one of the hardest things we can ever do is trust God. And it's hard to trust him because when God takes us on the journey of life, God takes us His way, His way, where He wants to go, and in the time that He wants to do it. You know what I'm saying? I actually really struggle on long trips in the car to drive with other people. Because some people like to stop every two hours for pit stops. I'm the kind of guy that says, I have to go from A to B, and I'm going to get there as fast as I can. And if we have to stop, that's an annoyance, not a good thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when I used to work uh, for Deutz before I came and worked here, if I had to go to Wellington, I'd drive, like, non-stop. I'd stop long enough for toilet and to grab a V, and then it's just go. You know, when I, when I drive with my parents, like I did in the weekend, from Queenstown to Diao now, we have to stop every like hour, even though it's a two-hour drive. Just, I don't know, look at the scenery. It's like your bladder can't last that long. What's wrong with you? you know, I just want to get there. You know, and my, my, my brother-in-law's driving the car and, and he's driving conservatively because my parents are in the car. And, you know, and I'm just like, you're driving like a nana. Come on, man, put your foot down. You know, like, I, I, just, I'm, I just don't cope well when I'm not driving, when I'm not in control. And, 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 and it's, I'm out of control because I have to go wherever they go. And if they want to stop for a toilet break, I have to stop for a toilet break. It's not my choice. 
You know, there's nothing wrong with just getting the empty drink bottle and, you know, on the go, you know, like save yourself some time. I'm just, I'm just joking. But we struggle because, because it's where he wants to go, how he wants to get there, and in the timing that he wants. And we all struggle with God's timing, don't we? Yeah? It's like when I pray, I mean like now, like now, God? Not, not next week, not the week after. I was praying to God this week and I said to him, God, you know, your word promises that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And I have some needs that you're not meeting. And he turned around, you know what he said to me? He says, if I'm not meeting a need that you think you have, and my scripture promises that I meet all of your needs according to your riches and glory, maybe the problem is not me, but maybe you think you need something you don't. Maybe you think you have a need, but I'm telling you it's not a need. Because if it was a need, then I'll meet your need. Are you with me this morning? Because some of us think God has let us down because he hasn't met our needs, but it's what you perceive you need, but God's actually saying you actually don't need that. Otherwise, I'll meet it. All right, I'll move on before it gets too. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we confuse trust with belief. We confuse trust with belief because belief always relates to the end product, yeah? I can believe that God is going to do with my life what he says. The issue that I have is not that I won't get to where God is taking me. My issue is I have trouble trusting him in the process to get there because I think that if I'm going to go from here to Wellington, then I take State Highway 1 and and and, you know, whereas my dad once, when I went with him, he went National Park through Awakuni. It's not the way that you go to Wellington. It's not my way of going to Wellington. My way is you go, you know, you go through Matamata and you come down into Taupo and through, you know, Desert Road and Wauru and, and make your way down. You, you don't go down the other way. You don't turn off at Narawahi and go through the back roads and come down and go, come across at Awakuni. That's not how I go to, what, you, what is wrong with you? That's not how I get to Wellington. That's, that's just wrong. And so my problem is not that I didn't believe I was going to get to Wellington when I drove with my dad. It's just he went the wrong way. And I think what happens is we confuse belief with trust and we believe that we're going to get to Wellington. We just don't trust God's going to get us there going the Awakuni route when we should be going the Wairu route. You understand what I'm saying this morning? And so it becomes difficult for us because we can trust God will heal us. We trust that God, we believe that God can heal us. We believe that God can heal our marriage. We believe that God can prosper us. We believe that God can save our family. The issue is we trust him with the process that he takes us through to get there. And it's a difficult thing. It's a hard thing because without trust, we actually don't have a relationship. If you remove trust from a marriage, there is no marriage. If you move trust from a parent-child relationship, there is no relationship because you can't love someone you don't trust. It's impossible. And so God's really big on us loving him, yes? He wants a personal, intimate relationship with us, and he knows that the foundation for every relationship, the foundation that creates strong relationships, is the foundation of trust. And so he takes us through processes and situations and circumstances that take us out of our comfort zone and make us feel uncomfortable so that we will put our trust in him so that our foundation in our relationship is strong and we can trust him because we know that we he loves us. And when our trust is developed, when a bad time comes that doesn't make sense, we can step back and go, I know I can trust him in this moment because he loves me and that's why all things work together for good for those who love God and accord according to his purpose because I trust him, I can believe for a good outcome. When I don't trust him, what I do is I think, hey, he's got this wrong, he didn't eat wheat bix this morning and say so he's on the wrong path, so what I'll do is I'll take back control of my life and I'll try and work this out in my own process and if you're anything like me, the minute I try to make it happen, it just gets deeper. You, you know what I mean? It's like when you're having a conversation with your wife. 
this may not happen to you, but it happens to me. And, and, and at first, it's just my foot in my mouth. But I'm a little bit stupid, so I continue on. And before you know it, we have a sinkhole. And then we got a hole the size of Lake Taupo. And before you know it, I've disappeared. Or, you know, I just keep digging the hole because I'm dumb. And, and we do the same thing. We take control of our lives. And then what was a bad situation becomes a worse situation. And it just gets worserer and worserer. I love my English. And really, the whole thing is, is God saying, hey, my God, my strength. I'm feeling weak right now because I'm in a place of vulnerability, but my God, my strength. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so when I am in a circumstance or a situation where I feel vulnerable in, it's the moment where he becomes the most trustworthy. And then trust is established. And then the next situation comes and we can go, you know what, I'm not worried about this. Because the last time something like this happened, I could trust him. I could trust him. And so there's two basic elements to trust. There's two. There's intimacy and there's dependence. It's impossible to have trust in a relationship if there's not intimacy. You can't trust me if you don't know me. Come on. And you can't have trust if you're not dependent on somebody. You can't say you trust somebody and then not depend on them. That's mistrust, not trust. And so we need those two things. And the only way that God can build our trust of him is by taking us through things, which actually cause us to come to this position where we're saying, actually, do I actually trust God in this? Every time we do trust him in situations or circumstances, and every time I say, I do trust God, what happens is my trust in Him grows a little more, gets a little bit deeper, gets a bit more roots to it. Because you have to understand this, that all spiritual battles, every single spiritual battle that you face in life is centered around whether you trust Him or not. Everything the enemy does to you is to bring into question your trust of God. There's two simple strategies that the enemy uses. First one is to get us to doubt God's trustworthiness. And the second thing is to get us to trust something else besides God. So he wants to question whether God is trustworthy. And so when a situation happens and it's not quite panning out as you think it should, and all of a sudden those thoughts start to go through your head, yeah? I'm, where's God? I, well, I'm not really sure. This doesn't seem right. This doesn't, I love that Trinity spoke on breaking the false thinking of human reasoning versus scripture because we start doing this. The enemy starts coming. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like God would do that to you. It's, it doesn't seem right. I, I, I think, I, I think somehow he's lost control here. Somehow he was sitting on the throne in charge of the whole entire universe. But at this point in time, he's accidentally fallen off the throne and now he's lying on his side and, and, and now my life has turned to custard. And so it creates this question that he can't be trusted. And so all of a sudden now we go looking for something else that we can trust in instead. And that could be uh, all sorts of things, but usually it becomes a person. I, I don't trust that God can bring me the right husband so I'm going to find the right one myself. I don't trust he's got the right wife for me, so I'll find the right one myself. Um, can I say this? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Ladies, if you aren't married yet, let me say this. Don't pursue what you can attract. It's not your job to go looking for a guy. It's your job to pursue Christ. And the more you pursue Christ, the more attractive you become. Yeah, come on. I don't like how the world's gone where the women seem to be pursuing the men. It's not right in my opinion. I'm traditional. I'm old. I get that. But I think it's a guy's job to go after her and she needs to go after Jesus. And in going after Jesus, she becomes so attractive that he can't help but go after her. Come on. That's just a little side thing for you. 
And the thing is, is that the strategy that the enemy has is the same strategy he had right at the beginning in the book of Genesis. Right in the beginning, the enemy was dedicated to convincing Adam and Eve that God was either withholding good things from them. Oh, if you eat of the tree, you won't surely die. God's holding out on you. Or he's failing to protect us from bad things. We, he either gets us to think that God's holding out or he's just doing a really bad job of protecting us. And so every time we experience pain, loss, disappointment, he tells us God has abandoned us or God is not with you or God doesn't care about you. Yet we know that his word says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We know that his word says that nothing separates us from the love of God, nor height, nor depth, not even sin separates us from God's love. Because love is not something that God does. Love is something that God is. And so he can't not be who he is. And God cannot not be trusted because God is truth. It's not something he does. It's who he is. And so, so you understand what I'm saying. We, we give love, but he is love. He can't, he can't help himself. When he walks into the room, love comes with him. When I walk into the room, my bad mood comes with me. You understand what I'm saying? But that doesn't happen with him. And so he starts to get us to question and, and, and he tells us that God's abandoned us. And every time we see something good or desired, what he says is don't wait for God to give it to you. You should get it for yourself. Yet the scripture says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. And so what happens is when we see something good and something that we desire, and we go after it and get it for ourselves, really what we're saying is, I don't trust you to give it to me. And so the enemy is constantly working, trying to trick us into mistrusting God so that we will take matters into our own hands, putting ourselves on the throne of our lives and ultimately destroying ourselves. Can you see that? Can you see that his, his whole goal is to destroy you and he knows that a life lived out of trust in God is a life lived in trust of self. And when we trust ourselves, I don't know about you, but I am a dismal failure every time I try to do things in my own strength. Look at the destruction that has followed from the Garden of Eden, from the fall in the Garden of Eden that has come about plainly, purely from a refusal to trust God. We, we are living in a world today that is suffering in sin and torment purely because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did not trust God. I don't know about you, but when I think about how powerful this whole thing is and how dangerous it can be when we don't trust God, I, I, I just can't understand why God lets us have the choice. I just don't understand it. But the thing is, is this, is that if a relationship is going to work, it has to be the choice of each person in that relationship to trust. It has to be. So how can we trust God? Well, because... He knows the deep things of your heart. He knows your weaknesses and he knows your vulnerabilities. In fact, the scripture says that he knows how many hairs you have on your head. Some of us have more than others. He knows your deepest fears. He knows your deepest longings. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your vulnerabilities. And that's why we can trust him. Because he doesn't use those things against us. Otherwise, rather than just being able to come to Christ, he'd make us do a set of things first. And the other thing the enemy has lied to us about is that if you want to come to Christ, you have to get yourself perfect or get yourself right, and then you'll be accepted. But the scripture teaches this, that you are accepted, and then he helps you become right. Every other religion will make you do this, that, and the other thing. But Jesus says, you don't have to do anything. I did it all for you. But it's the little things that matter. It's the, it's the little tests of faith that I think are the most important. Not the big ones. Because usually the big ones, it's like you have no choice but to trust God. 
You know what I'm saying? Like if you went to the doctors tomorrow and you heard the word cancer, you ain't got no choice but to cry out to him. But when it's something little that doesn't seem that big that I'm pretty sure I could do myself, that's when the trust factor becomes an issue because the small things is what we need to trust him in. And, and, and I'm going to write a book one day. I'm going to do a whole chapter on the power of the small because you have to understand Jesus is constantly talking about if you have a little faith, if, if you are faithful in the little things, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, if, if you do this, if, it's all about the small with God. If you can do the little well, you'll do the big well. And so it becomes about the little things that we trust Him in because those little things as we trust Him become the breeding ground for trust to be established, for trust to be built. And if we can't trust Him in the small things, um, we'll never trust Him in the big things. If I, if I can't trust my kids to walk to and from school every day without getting in trouble, there's no way I'm giving them the car. Are you with me? I've, I've loved teaching my daughter how to drive. She's doing a great, fantastic job. And, um, but I have concerns about teaching my son. Mainly because when we were in the car one day, Madison says, Dad, you know you can trust me. I'm not going to speed and be stupid with the car. And I said, yeah, I know that. And Seth goes, not me. I'm going to drive really, really fast. <laughs> and because I know him, <laughs> I don't trust him. Uh, see, if you can't trust God in the little things, then you won't trust him in the big things. Listen to this. Song of Solomon says this and. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's, it's, it's the little cracks in life that makes us vulnerable. The big cracks aren't such a big deal because we identify those. We can see those. You know, if you, if you get a little crack in your windscreen, a hairline kind of crack in your windscreen in your car, you don't necessarily notice it. But you notice the one that runs from one side to the other, yeah? You see the big stuff. It's the little things that you don't realize. And I think what happens when we don't trust God in the little things, it's a little bit like, I don't know about you, but you know, when you're walking along the footpath and, and there's a concrete footpath, but there's all these little bits of grass growing up in the joins. And, and you think to yourself, how did grass get in those joins? Well, the grass got in those joins because there's a little bit of a crack in the join. And what happens over time is a seed or something gets down into that crack and it helps the grass to grow up through. And then what happens is you have a situation like we had uh, just recently on our street where they're digging up all the footpaths because they're all cracked and everything because they didn't seal the joins properly. And so what happens, the grass starts to grow up in between the joins and it makes the foundation of the footpath vulnerable and it starts to crack and break apart and so they have to relay it all and the same thing happens to us if we don't trust God in the little stuff then what happens is the enemy manages to plant seeds of doubt and questions and all those little things and slowly but surely it starts to grow up between the cracks and it makes you unstable and you have to and it breaks the foundation that you're on so that when you really need to trust in him your life isn't stable enough to do it. It's the little things that matter, the little trust in God, the moments when we are weak, when we trust. We have to have a weak moment in some ways for us to be able to trust Him. And we, rather than going, man, why is this happening to me? I just wonder if we just had a mind shift for just a moment where we thought to ourselves, thank you, God, for the opportunity to trust you. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to grow in my trust of you. It may only be little, but it matters. It may only be small, but I thank you, God, that you're helping me to learn to trust you in the small rather than just piling a whole lot of massive stuff on me. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm watching my kids come home from school. Seth's homework takes about 10 minutes. Madison's just looks like a nightmare. Yeah, could you imagine if we put the homework that Madison gets onto, onto Seth at 12 and expect it's, it's the reason why she can do the homework she does now is because she's done all the little bits of homework her whole life. Which is another thing Seth could learn from her. 
It's, it's an opportunity for God to, de- to show you that you can trust him. And so when the little things happen, it's like, God, I thank you. This is an opportunity right now for me to grow in my trust in you. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, it says this, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You know what David was doing right here? He's saying, Man, you have been trustworthy with the lion and with the bear, you can be trustworthy with Goliath. It wasn't, it wasn't a declaration of faith so much as it was a declaration of his trust in God because God had come through for him in the little. He knew God would come through for him in the much. And when he faced Goliath, he says, oh, you don't understand. I don't come at you as David, but I come at you in the name of the Lord because he has saved me from the lion and from the bear and he'll save me from you because he had trust had been built in his life and so with him it wasn't man it's not about Goliath it's actually I trust God I trust him I trust him he was prepared Jesus spent 40 days in prayer and fasting in the desert in preparation for when the devil came and tested him he had built intimacy with his father during that time he had built a dependence on God in that time as he emptied himself of him. And so when the enemy came, his response to the three temptations was basically this. Sorry, I trust God. I trust him. And you won't get me to mistrust him. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. And so in the case of both David and both Jesus, They actually defeated the enemy with trust. Their trust in God. They trusted him. Psalm 19 says this, and those who know your name will put your trust, will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You know, knowing God's name in this chapter, in this verse, actually means more than just knowing his name. It means knowing him personally, and more than knowing him personally, but knowing his nature and his character and who he is. I think there's plenty of people in the world today that know how to use God's name, or they may even know a lot about God's name, but they don't really know God. They don't really know who he is. They don't really know what he is. I mean, I know a lot about the greatest soccer team on the face of the planet called Arsenal. And I know a lot about Arsene Wenger, the greatest manager on the face of the planet, but I don't really know him. Like if I walked up to him in the streets of London and said, G'day Arsene, how are you going? It's Craig. He'd be like, who? Who are you? But I know all about you. I've read everything. So you can know about someone. It doesn't mean that you know him. You, you can think you know me, but until you spend a weekend in my house watching me, you don't really know me. That's probably not a good idea. My wife knows me. She can tell what's going on by the look on my face or the tone of the language that I use or the words that I say. She knows what's going on. Yes? All the wives are like elbowing their husbands. There's plenty of people that use God's name but they don't really know him. And the reason why they don't really know him is because you can't really know him unless you trust him. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you to trust him blindly, just like you should never trust me blindly. It's about the character of the person that makes them trustworthy. See, I, I, I look fantastic up here on a Sunday, but you should see me some days when I'm not doing so good. Just being honest with you this morning. God doesn't want you to build trust on Him because of what you heard about Him. He doesn't want you to build trust on Him because of what you've seen Him do in somebody else's life. He wants you to build your trust on Him from personal knowledge, from personal experience, from what you've seen Him do for you. And the only way that that can be is through intimacy and dependence on Him. It's about trusting Him. And when we trust Him, then we too can have a testament. It says, when I got the bad news, 
God came through for me because I can trust him. Matthew 4, 4 says this. He answered, and this is Jesus in the desert when he's been tempted, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, by, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I don't know about you, but hearing his voice always brings life. I, I remember saying to God this week, I said, why do I, why do I not trust you sometimes? Why do, I, why do I doubt you sometimes when I'm going through things? And he says, because your problem is you don't have enough word in you, so when the time comes, there's not enough for you to stand on and trust in because you don't have enough word on the inside of you. But Jesus said this after the Sermon on the Mount, these people that hear these words and do them will be like the man who built his house on the rock and the wind and the waves and the storms came, but his house stood still. But the one who hears these words and doesn't do them is like the one who builds his house on the sand. And when the wind and the waves came, it wiped them out. And I understood something, that when I fail in my trust of him, when I fail in following him fully, it's when I am relying on the sand, I'm relying on Craig's ability, instead of going, okay, what does the word of God say about this? And regardless of how I feel, I'm going to plant myself on the rock of that. And I'm going to put my trust in that because it's his voice. It's his voice that gets us through. It's that word from him in season. It's that verse that jumps out of you when you're reading your Bible that holds you fast in the tough times, that holds you strong in the times that happen. It's your voice that gets you through. I I am so amazed. You know, when, when kids, it's funny, last night I was babysitting so one of our mums could come to to uh to daughters and um, my son was there with me and they were play fighting as you do when you're a child on the tramp and one of them got a little bit hurt and and you know started to cry a little bit I didn't tell the mum about this she's just finding about it right now and uh and and the kid was like my leg's broken as they're walking around on it uh you know because kids aren't overly dramatic um and my leg's broken and I just picked them up and I said mate it's okay it's all good it's fine. You're going to be okay. The tears dropped. The anxiety dropped. You, you do it with your kids all the time. They hurt themselves. They cut themselves. Or they come off their bike and graze their knee. And, and it's like the world has come to an end in their world. But all a parent has to do is pick that child up and say to them, it's okay. It's all right. You're going to be fine. And the kid stops crying and or if they're crying too much, you offer them a lollipop and that just fixes everything. But it's the calming voice of the parent that causes this kid in a crisis to go, I'm okay. I'm all right. It's his voice that gets us through. And I've realized that my life, as long as, long as he's speaking, I'm okay. As long as he's speaking and I'm listening, then I'm okay. Every time I get stressed and worried, if I can calm myself and listen, I always hear him say, Craig, it's okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to get through this. Trust me. I got this. I've got this. And every time when I fail to hear his voice, I just get stressed out and make a mess of things. But every time I stop in the middle and go, actually, this is an opportunity to trust him. And I hear his voice. It's like, it's okay. You're going to be all right. Hearing his voice is awesome. But you've got to peer his voice with his character. And I'm going to quickly go through these, otherwise they're going to be way too long. But I want to quickly show you that he has a character that can be trusted in. He has a character that can be trusted in. It's not good enough to turn around and say, I trust God. You've got to turn around and say, I trust God because his character says it can be trusted. Are you with me this morning? First one is this, God can't lie. Titus 1, verse 1 to 2 says, A bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and hope of eternal life in which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God can't lie. He can't lie. He can't lie. He's not like you and me. Because that's some of our problem too. We don't trust him because we don't trust ourselves. Or we then look at him through the glasses of what people have done to us. But he can't lie. 
If he says something, it's going to happen. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He can't lie. Why? Because truth isn't something that God does. Truth is what God is. Come on, are you with me this morning? So what's the problem? The problem is, is that we allow thoughts to rise up against what we believe about his character. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when I start thinking a thought that is contrary to what the scripture tells me about the character of God, I got to grab that thought and go, you know what? I don't agree with that thought. I rebuke that thought. I curse that thought. I know that God is a God that can't lie. He's going to come through for me. I'm going to be okay. And so shut down the voices of my thoughts, God, and let me hear your voice. Let me hear your voice. Let me hear you, because the one who promised cannot lie. So no matter how many highs or how many lows or how many twists and turns he takes us through, you have to understand this. He can't lie. You can trust him. You can trust him. Luke 11, 11 to 13 says this, If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a, a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Maybe some of you dads might do that because it could be a little bit funny. If you then, being evil, thank you Jesus, that makes me feel good, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you know how to give good things to your kids, how much more does He know how to look after you? Come on. He can't lie. He's going to look after you. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, he's saying there's no bad stuff in there. Every good thing that comes in you, every wage rise you get is a gift from God. Every house that you buy is a gift from God. Every new car you get is a gift from God. Every child you have is a gift from God. The husband you have is a gift from God. The wife you have is a gift from God. Every good thing that comes into your life is purely because of his goodness because he's the God that gives good gifts to all his children because he loves them. And I know that because he can't lie about it. And he says that in his word. And so I can stand on that and understand if this is a bad situation, I'm okay because his word promises that he'll turn it to good for those who love him. And if I'm going to love him, i got to trust him. And I know this will turn around for my good. Because he can't lie. You're right. All right. Second thing is God is loving and kind. God is loving and kind. He is not frustrated or disappointed with you. So many people have this view, whether they be in the church or outside of the church, that God walks around with like a, a heaven baseball bat waiting for you to make a mistake. So like it's like at the amusement arcade and you have that thing where the heads pop up and you get to whack them with a mallet and, and God's like, I designed humanity so I can have fun. Bang, 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 bang. It's not how he works. He's not disappointed. He's not frustrated in you. He's just saying, hey, trust me. Trust me. Just trust me. Trust me. He loves you unconditionally, especially in your brokenness. Especially in your brokenness and in your sin. He loves you especially in those moments. That's why his word promises that his strength is made perfect in them. Psalm 13 verse 5 says, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. There is nowhere, friend, that you can go where he is not with you. And there's nothing that you can do and there's nothing that you can say that he does not know and he is not offended to be around you. My kids sometimes say offensive things to me. They call me old. 
They laugh at me when I try to sing songs and make up my own lyrics. When actually that's one of my giftings and callings in life. Every dad does that. But just because they offend me doesn't mean I don't want to be around them. God wants to be with you always. And he promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Last thing is, is this is God is faithful to be with us. He's faithful to be with us. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake. Even when you're in your darkest times or your most sinful moment, God has not abandoned you. How do you know that, Craig? Because my Bible teaches me this. Where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. Light does not fear darkness. God does not up in heaven going, oh, they sinned today, I don't know what I'm, oh, I'm so scared. I'm scared. What am I going to do? I'm scared of him now. He's not cynophobic. Hey? It doesn't bother him. How do I know that? Because his word says why you were yet still sinners, Christ died for you. And he died for you because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's not angry. He's not disappointed. And he hasn't abandoned you. you just got to turn to his voice and listen. I love Psalm 139. And it says this. And I read 10 verses. And I want you to look at this. And I want you to get this into your spirit. Every time you think that you're alone, I want you to read this. Every time the enemy says that God is not with you, I want you to say, no, he is faithful to be with us. And I want you to read, maybe put it on the back of your toilet door. So every time you're in the toilet, you're just reading and it's getting cemented into your heart and into your mind because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more you get it in, the more you can draw on it in these times. But I love this. It says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But yet, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. In other words, it doesn't matter whether I'm in heaven or I'm in hell or I'm in the east, the west, the north and the south. You are with me. And not only are you with me, but you know me. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm going to say. You know me better than I know myself. And because of that, I can trust you that even right now in this circumstance, in this situation, I am in fear and anxiety and I don't know what's going on and I feel like my world's falling apart. I know that he said in Psalm 139, that his hand is not only beside me, but it's underneath me. And if I fall, I fall into his hands. I don't fall into the hand of the enemy. I fall into the hand of my father because nothing can take me out of the father's hand. Your word says, and because it says it, I can believe it. Come on. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust your wife. You can't trust your husband. Well, you can, but you know what I mean. You can't trust your parents. You can't trust your boss, but you can trust him. Next time you're in a situation when the enemy is telling you that he can't be trusted, I want you to pull out the word that God has put on the inside of you and go, you know what? That's just a lie. 
and I'm not going to believe it. Don't let your feelings dictate your outcomes. Let the word of God that's in you come out of you. Maybe, I mean, I don't really know the scripture that well. Can I encourage you, if you have one of these, which just about every person on the face of the planet does, if you have a phone, friend, there's a, or an iPad or tablet or whatever, there's this great app called U Version. U Version. I use it every single day because the thing I love about it is not only can you read your Bible, but there's devotionals in there written by all sorts of people. Smith Wigglesworth, Charles Finney, Brian Houston, all this kind of, and you can search. Maybe, you, maybe you're going for a time where you're just like, you're doubting your faith, you're having doubts. You can do a search on doubt and there'll be a devotional written by somebody with scriptures that'll help you to overcome doubt. And you can get that on the inside of you. You need to plaster those scriptures on your mirror, put them on the back of your toilet, put them in your car, put them wherever it is so that what you're putting in is what comes out. The Bible says this is not what goes into a man defiles him, but what comes out of him that defiles him. And so if you can just put so much of the God in you that there's no room but anything but the word to come out of you, then friend, when you come across the circumstance, you come across the trial, you come across those moments of doubt because we all have them. We can stop for a moment and go, you know what? That's not God. Not because I think it's not God or I feel like it's not God because His Word says that's not God. And so emotions, you need to be quiet. Thoughts, you need to be quiet. Hear the Word of the Lord. Hear the Word of the Lord. And the Bible says this, if you will speak to the mountain and command it to be removed, it will happen but you have to speak to it. You have to speak to it. But when you speak to it with the Word of God, the foundation, the foundation, just look at me for a moment, don't get distracted, the foundation, the foundation is a trust in God. And because I can trust Him, because He doesn't lie, He doesn't leave me, all good things come from him. I can trust him. I can trust him. Why don't you just all close your eyes just for a moment? Just for a moment. Just for a moment. Man, it's so easy to get up here and say to you, you need to trust God. You need to understand when I'm preaching this morning, I'm preaching to myself. Easy to say, hard to do. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you because to encourage means to put courage in. That the next time a circumstance comes your way, next time a difficulty comes your way, rather than going, man, what am I going to do here? I want you to go, you know, what does his word say? What does God promise? What does God say he's going to do? And then grab that and hold on to it and don't let go of it. Because his word also says this, that it goes out and it accomplishes everything that it set out to do. It doesn't return empty, but accomplishes everything that it set out to do. And so you just grab hold of that and you go, this word has to come to pass in my life because God doesn't lie and I can trust him and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to make sure I get myself on the rock. And you know what? The wind and the waves can come, but I'm not shifting. Because I trust Him. And I want to pray for you this morning. If you're like here this morning, I mean, I, I'd really love to trust Him like that, but I just find it so hard. I just find it so difficult. My hearts, I think every one of us, our hearts cry is that we want to trust Him. There's nobody in this place who's not, not going to trust God. You want to. Just sometimes life is throwing curveballs in your direction and, and He's made it so hard for you. But I want to tell you this morning that God's not disappointed and He's not frustrated. He's standing, He's like standing there right beside you saying, let's do this, man. Let's get you back on track. Let's get this life going in the direction that it needs to. It may not look like it, but trust me, I'll get you where you need to go. I'll get you there. Just trust me. I got the perfect way to go. 
the perfect way to drive. I'm going to get you there. If you're here this morning, man, I'd really love it, Craig, if you could just pray with me that I would that I would have the courage to trust God, that I'd have the courage to search deep into your word and find those things that I can stand on. And I'd really love it if you could pray with me that God would open my eyes, that the Holy Spirit would come. You know, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit's called our comforter, because he hasn't come to condemn you, but to comfort you in your trials. And so if you're here this morning, man, I really need you to pray that I'd have the courage to trust in God. Can you just put your hand up all across this place? And when I see it, I'll I'll, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Father, I thank you for every single person that's raised their hand in this place this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us to trust you. Trust you. Not trust in what Craig has said this morning, not trust in what my friends are saying that Jesus has done for them, but I'm going to trust you for myself and I'm going to have a personal experience of you coming through for me that proves that you can be trusted. And then I'm going to have a testimony of my own, but I pray, God, that you would come to each and every one of these ones and that you would encourage them that you put courage on the inside of them, that when all hell is breaking loose, that they'll be like, man, I'm not shifting off this rock. I'm not shifting off this word. I'm not shifting off this trust that I have in God. I break every spiritual stronghold that has ever been established on people's lives. I break uh, hereditary lies and belief systems that have just destroyed people's view of God. And Father, I pray right now that you come and cleanse, that you come and wash through each and every life here this morning, that you'll remove all the wrong things, all the wrong beliefs, all the wrong stuff that we've been taught, all the religious, legalistic garbage that has been taught to people, and that we would start to have a relationship, an intimate and dependent relationship on Jesus Christ, which is experiential, not just knowledge, but it's experience, that we know it to be true because we know because we know, because we know, because it's happened to me, and that you would put the courage on the inside of us that we would never quit, we'd never give up on you because you never quit and you never give up on us. Let trust be established in this place, in these lives, on this day, in Jesus' name. And everybody said...